All right, we now welcome on two-time Defensive Player of the Year, five-time NBA All-Star, member of the Naismith Hall of Fame. It's Sidney Moncrief. How you doing? I am doing outstanding today. Feeling good, feeling good today. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks, Thanks for coming. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's start this off. You're from Arkansas. You go to Arkansas. Was it a no-brainer you were going to go there? I think in my heart it was a no-brainer. There were some interesting schools that wanted me to consider playing for their school. And when you go to certain places to visit, they're always putting their best foot forward. You're seeing something new, and you're like, wow, that's awesome. That's Yeah. Where, where did you visit? Minnesota was one school I remember visiting, and they had to back – Back then, it was a big stadium, 18,000 people, I think, is what the stadium seated. It was metro. It was metropolitan feeling. Hotel was nice. I never had a telephone in my bathroom before or a steam shower in my bathroom, and that was pretty amazing. <laughs> restaurant, yeah. restaurant was outstanding. Great coaching staff. We go to a football game on a Saturday afternoon. It was September 20th. I'm working there close to my birthday, and it snowed. That put me out of that deal. <laughs> we don't have snow in September. Yeah. I went to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, attended. Uh, LSU was a good visit also. They had the, the new arena, and they yeah. had indoor practice. They had a practice facility within their arena. And I had never seen that before. You go places, and you're like, wow, woo, wow. But then it comes back to where would you feel the most comfortable, and that was, that was at home. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So after your time at Arkansas, there was a lot of rumors swirling around the NBA draft that I've read about that, oh, maybe you're going to go to the Lakers at number one. Do you have any stories about them maybe taking Magic first? And then what was your reaction to being drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks? I kind of knew that Magic was a no-brainer. I'm not saying in every draft room, you're going to have discussions about who you will take. Yeah. But Magic was certainly the player that they wanted. That's a, that, that was a more that was a better draft pick for them than I was, no doubt. Okay. And I didn't really think I would be going to the Lakers. I did hear a little chatter here and there, but I thought the most logical place could have been Detroit, Chicago, somewhat. Uh, Milwaukee, I didn't hear a lot about Milwaukee until the very end. Mm-hmm. I was a little bit surprised that I was drafted by Milwaukee. Seattle was right in there. Seattle had to pick, I think, after Milwaukee, a couple of picks after Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. But Milwaukee is the place that I'm glad I was drafted. So you get into the league. What was your welcome to the league moment? Everybody talks about it like their first time being crossed up or a vet yells at them, talks trash to them. What was your welcome to the league moment? My welcome to the NBA was on Thanksgiving Day. We're playing and you playing the New Jersey Nets, Nets at Rutgers University. So it was a wake up when you're used to being somewhere on Thanksgiving day, possibly mm-hmm. with the family or at practice, and you're on a bus driving 45 minutes <laughs> in, no, in the middle of nowhere <laughs> to play an NBA game. I was like, I cannot believe I'm playing basketball on Thanksgiving day. So that was, that was my first wake up call. I didn't have any wake up calls as it relates to people talking or the speed of the game or any of those type things. It was just the lifestyle was the biggest wake up call. Mm-hmm. So your rookie year, you're drafted to the Bucks, obviously. And then, so your coach was Don Nelson for the majority of your career. Do you have a favorite story about Don Nelson that you could tell us? Cause we, we were just always wondering about that and what type of person he was. None of the stories I have about Don Nelson that I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> they can't make the air, huh? <laughs> yeah, they couldn't make the air. It wasn't stories, it's maybe things he said 
to players. It, it was just so funny and so Don Nelson. But he was he was an innovator, out yeah. of the box thinker. He certainly took advantage of my skill set. I'm not so sure I would have been as great of a player as quickly as I was without him saying, this is what Sidney Moncrief does well. Here's how we can use his skill set to help our team. Mm -hmm. He's extremely good at matchups and figuring out how to gain the advantage on the opponent. Outstanding coach, mm -hmm. innovator, genius, and funny. <laughs> <laughs> What's the funniest Don Nelson story? You got to give us something. Uh, I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. <laughs> that, that speaks for itself. That speaks for itself. <laughs> All right. So when you're in the NBA, I mean, a lot of people, they, they go into a situation, especially when they're drafted as a high draft pick as you were, they usually go into a situation where you're losing right away. What was it like? You're on a winning team immediately. Yes, we're on a winning team. All of the players on the team, they were from winning programs. Mm -hmm. UCLA, Louisville, Indiana, Quinn Buckner. We had Richard Washington, UCLA, Marcus Johnson, Kim Benson, Indiana, Quinn Buckner, Indiana. Lucky Lord Walton was from Marquette. Ernie Grunfield was from uh, uh, Tennessee and Brian Winter, South Carolina, Harvard. I mean, we just had guys that knew how to win. And yeah. it was fun when you're playing in an environment where you have veterans, but they just understand the game of basketball. It was a lot of fun. It was very hard, though. It was hard. Mm -hmm. Practice sessions, the film sessions, everything that we did in training camp was difficult. And we, you, back then, you went out like in the suburbs, nothing to do, nothing to see. And you just had mm -hmm. to just basketball, basketball, basketball. That was the most difficult part, just to adjusting to the isolation that was presented when you're in training camp. Mm -hmm. So two-time defensive player of the year. So there's two different ways you can go with this. You can give me the typical Michael Jordan, Larry Bird answer, or I was also wondering what's an underrated player that you had to match up against that maybe gave you the most trouble throughout your time in the league. It could be early on later in your career, just anybody it's, that comes to mind. It's funny you would ask that question because when people ask me the toughest player I had to go against a guard, and I always give the standard answer which is a true answer, Michael Jordan, yeah. Tony, those type of players. But one, one guy that I think is very underrated, and he was hard to guard, and that was Walter Davis, the Greyhound mm -hmm. from the Phoenix Suns, because he, was, he could move. He was always moving without the basketball. He had good size, 6'6", six, six, had an extremely effective jump shot. He could come off picks. He could set you up, come off picks. He can catch and shoot. He could drive. He had good quickness. He was, you don't hear about Walter Davis. Yeah. He was just a, a beast to try to guard. What about, what about Larry Bird, though? Do you, do you have a favorite Bird story, or do you just hate Larry Bird? Oh, I love Larry Bird. We, <laughs> we started playing basketball together in the summer of our senior year. We spent six weeks in Louisville, Kentucky, and also overseas playing for the United States World University team. I have nothing but love for Larry. Larry didn't talk a lot of noise to me because I knew him. Uh, I know one thing, he's impossible to guard. That's my funny Larry Bird story. Coach Nelson would try to put me on Larry Bird, and he's 6'9", 6'10", basketball IQ out the, out the roof pretty much, to shoot, to pass. That was not a matchup that suited me. <coughs> not a matchup that suited me very well. Uh, so that's a good little transition into my next question is like, so Larry Bird and the Celtics, obviously you guys made the playoffs just about every year. 
played a lot of Philadelphia teams. What was maybe the toughest team that you faced in the playoffs that gave you the most trouble that maybe you felt like you couldn't get past? Was it the Celtics? It was, there were two, actually more than two. (laughs) 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 Definitely the 76ers team. I think the 76ers team is underrated. Some people have it as one of the best teams in the history of basketball. That's hard to judge because of different eras. That's hard to judge. But I would say anytime you have, when you have four to five Hall of Famers, like the Celtics had, the Lakers had, and Philadelphia had. You had Bobby Jones, Hall of Famer, Dr. J, Hall of Famer, Bozum Sloan, Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. right? Andrew Tony would have been a Hall of Famer had he not been in, in the MRE Chiefs Hall of Famer. Yeah, it's a That's tough lineup. They, they had guys coming off the bench that could flat out play. And that was, to me, one of the better teams that we played right up there with that, of course, Larry Bird team that had all yeah. those good players and had Scott Webman. Bill Walton had a lot of good players coming off the bench that one year with the Boston Celtics. All right. Well, so with the Celtics, let's just talk about the 1987 series. And I got to bring up the Danny Ainge. I don't know if you want to call it a fight or like a scuffle. It was a moment. It was a moment. Yeah, it was a moment. Did you, I mean, what was like, what, what built up to that Danny Ainge moment? Well, that, that was 87, huh? Yeah. It's, it's so funny because in the Bucks new arena they have a a frame by frame <laughs> huge photograph of that incident really yes it has me going under him slowly picking him up picking him up and then having him down and i was talking to a couple of my teammates harvey catchings and marcus and i think uh, junior bridgman and we watched the last frame while i'm on the ground I'm on top of Denny and yeah. all the Celtic guys, including Larry Bird. Larry was trying to get me off of him. He wasn't trying to fight me. He was trying to get me off of Danny. And all the other Celtics players were surrounding me. And I looked at that photograph. I said, hey, guys, where are you all? I see nobody here to get to have my back. Yeah. Yeah, you're <laughs> surrounded. Yeah, what? There were all Celtic players. Uh, no one doing anything negative. No one kicking or kidding me or anything. Yeah. Uh, well, they were there right there for their teammates. Yeah, Marcus, Marcus Johnson said, "Man, I'm a lover, not a fighter." <laughs> <laughs> so, so the Bucks are really the Bucks are really kind of praising that moment, you know, putting at the new arena and stuff. Just like, hey, this is a piece of history. Yeah, now I had Bob Lanier was somewhere. I think Bob was anywhere someone's there to protect you. It's going to be Bob Lanier. Yeah. He was somewhere in the frame protecting me. Uh, but I was the type of player. I was very aggressive. I certainly didn't like to initiate anything that would yeah. be dirty or aggressive but i would finish something that could be dirty or aggressive that's fair yeah yeah that's just the way i played the game of basketball and just a little misunderstanding you won't find a better competitor than danny ames you won't find a better teammate probably than danny ames and he was just doing what he likes to do and and it just got it built up to that point mm-hmm. where i just had to at some point you have to just take things into your own hands and i did would you do the same thing today like if that situation happened, do you regret that at all? Uh, that's just instinct. I grew up, yeah. that, so I don't. I don't think I would. I can't say without. A, I can say I wouldn't. I don't. Okay, really I just know that that's how I am. Yeah. So that 1987 series went to seven games. You guys lost by six. I think it was that I saw. Did that kind of even in the moment? Did that feel like your last chance to kind of make an NBA Finals run to get to that championship stage? Like. I, in retrospect, I, maybe, but I don't. I didn't look at it that way when I was playing basketball. I think okay. 
I'm not saying all players, but I know I, I would go into every year with a fresh yeah. attitude. Like a golfer, you have to have a short memory. I really did. All I Good. worried about was that year. We were going to do better this year. We we're going we we're going to the finals this year. Yeah. I didn't really look up look at it as what you said, even though maybe I should have. <laughs> yeah. But at that point in time, I did not. What what was so difficult? I mean, obviously they're clearly talented, but we saw like we see in game seven, you guys were out rebounded by 30 in that game. Like, how were you in that game? Well, remember, I, uh, rebounding is so many factors. Uh, that's mm-hmm. one stat I never look at. I shouldn't say that. That's one stat that can never tell you why you want a loss. Yeah. And a lot of people take it. But mm-hmm. remember, you know, this rebounding could be a function of you taking more shots and having a lower shooting percentage. Uh, it could be a function of them getting more offensive rebounds. But if they don't com- convert into baskets, they just get the offensive rebounds. You have to look really deep into those numbers before you can say, oh, rebounding was the reason why. I just think that in every game, you have to make plays down the stretch. And we just didn't make those shots or plays when we had to. And if you don't, in close games, you won't win. I don't care what the stat sheet says. Mm-hmm. It comes yeah. down to who will make those plays in the last two minutes of the ball game. Mm-hmm. So after that series, you put in a couple more years in Milwaukee. and then. You decided to retire for a year before coming back to the Hawks. I just wanted your your take on why did you retire, first of all? And second of all, what brought you back to the league for that last season with Atlanta? I was just tired. I was tired of uh, everything that went with basketball. I wasn't as focused on the game any Mm -hmm. longer. Sometimes when you play too long, you start trying to be uh, the general manager. You try to be the coach. You try to be Mm -hmm. everything but the player. I think I I had gotten to that point. Yeah, I was no longer focused on being the player, and that's why I quit uh, basketball. My body was just okay, but it could it could have stood for some rest. And the fact that I did rest and mm-hmm. got away from the game for one year, when I came back for a year, it was like I was a rookie again. I was hungry. I wasn't too analytical about anything. I was just playing yeah. and won the game of basketball in its purest form. So I'm glad I did quit and. I'm even more so glad I came back. Yeah. I think that's a good thing for players to sometimes get away from the game and then come back and play the game again. Was there any recruiting involved? Like the Dominique Wilkins hit your line or Moses Malone? I saw they're both on that team and be like, hey, we want you to come back for a year. Let's team up in Atlanta, make one more run at it. Or did, is that kind of more your decision? Back then, you didn't have those type of relationships. <laughs> you okay. know, it's like it's all war. We yeah. played against teams. And no one recruited me. I actually went to Atlanta. I went to their organization, uh, Stan Caston, and I, I asked him if mm-hmm. it would allow me to crowd for their team because Atlanta was a place I enjoyed traveling to. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't really look at, look at the players. I just looked at the quality of life and what I kind of wanted in the latter part of my career. Yeah. They allowed me to come back. They allowed me to play. I said I would play for a non-guaranteed contract. Don't have to guarantee me anything. I want to make the team. And that's the first time in 11 years that I had tried out for a team without guaranteed money. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was scary, but it was fun. Yeah. I talked to Thurl Bailey about this. When you finally close out your basketball career, everybody says athletes die twice. But he said, you know, I was just excited to get onto something that wasn't basketball. Was that, it seems like that was kind of your same thought process. Yeah, yeah, but basketball is who we are. I mean, I know people say 
basketball is what I play. It's not who I am. But so much of our lives and our experiences are tied to the game of basketball. And I never want to make it seem like that I'm greater than this basketball. Basketball may be who I was. It, it shaped a lot of my thoughts, a lot of my habits, and what have you. But at some point, the grind of the game of basketball does wear on you a lot. But when you leave it, though, there's a void there that you can fill. You can try to fill with other things. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can. In my case, I just had a lot to do, and I didn't, I didn't look back very much once I left. So speaking of uh, your uh, post-playing career, do you still keep up with the NBA today? Do you watch a lot of the regular season, or are you more just like no. tune in for the playoffs? Really, why is that? Uh, I didn't watch it a lot when I played. So okay. I that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I just, and the way that I know people that older guys say, the older guys always say, well, the way the game is played now. Yeah. But, but the way the game is being played now. <laughs> oh, so there it is. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't appeal to me very much. I think the play, like certain teams, is high quality. It's as good as you're going to get. But it's just so uneven. It was uneven when, when I played. I just didn't know that because I was on a good team. But there were <laughs> yeah. And, and, but now the way it's played, I can watch it and go, and I can watch something else. I go between a basketball game and Murder She Wrote or Colombo. You know, <laughs> okay. <back> <laughs> yeah, just yeah, flip the channel a few times. You know, we'll see. Yeah, I, I, I flip a lot, and even <laughs> in the playoffs, I still flip a lot. But it's still good basketball. I, yeah. I don't. I don't agree when people say. The game is, is is not a good game. It's still entertaining. It's just the fact that it's not like what we used to play. Yeah. It's a different era, different people. So change how you play. Yeah. So what do you – is there a way to solve that where regular season games – I mean, if you're, we're being honest, they can just be flat-out boring. Like to watch Wizards-Pistons on a Tuesday night is not what I want to do. I'd rather watch a TV show. How does the NBA change that? Do they shorten the amount of games with all this low management going on or just – We've always had that case where teams that are bad are not fun to watch. I don't, I don't know mm -hmm. how you can change that, really. I think you just have to continue to improve the quality of play. Certainly, we know that kids coming out of college are going to have that one-and-done mentality sometimes. That, that hurts the quality of the game also because you're having kids that it takes them. You're never ready for the NBA. I'm going to say that one more time. If, even if you play four years in college, hmm you're never really ready for the NBA. But from a skill standpoint, yeah. but you're ready for the routine of the NBA better when you play four years. You're just better to having teammates and some of the things that happen. You're just better to playing in big ball games because you've done that in college if you play for a good college. Mm -hmm. So those things you really can't replace. And the NBA right now, because the players are younger, they're certainly very, very athletic. Uh, the flash is important to them. The three-point shot, the dribble, 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 going nowhere is very yeah. important to them. And so I don't, I don't think it's a lot of fixing you can do at this point because the three-point line is here. Maybe add a four-point line. <laughs> uh, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's pretty innovative. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, so I want to ask. So uh, you are known a lot in your career for defensive purposes, obviously. What do you see that are the major differences in today's, today's game on defense, whether it be officiating, the way the game's called, maybe defensive rotations, the running of more zone in the playoffs especially? Like, what's the biggest difference to you nowadays? And mental breakdown 
is a part of the game. I had mental lapses when I played, but the amount of mental lapses that I see today and today yeah. is pretty amazing. And the fact that you can, I can watch a kid uh, play like the, the young man from Memphis. I didn't watch them play a lot. Yeah. What a great player. What a great player. I watched them maybe three games now off and on. And if I can pick up on how he should be guarded, then I know the coaches have told the players how, how he should be guarded. Yep. They still don't guard him effectively. Yeah, because it's the same thing. You get penetration inside and then, you know, help comes and then kick out wide open three. Yeah. Yes, know. and then every player has a tendency. I don't care if it's LeBron James or Michael Jordan. You have tendencies. That I just see players are not – don't pay as close of attention to the tendencies of a team and a player. And I coached in the NBA, so I know how much scouting – and information goes to those players. So you're getting a lot more information, maybe too much, yet yeah. the execution on the defensive end still seems to be lacking. And you can maybe chalk that up a little bit to the skill set of the player to some extent. They are, mm -hmm. they are skilled. They handle the ball better than we ever did overall. And they can get to places that uh, most players couldn't get to back in the 80s because yeah. of their ability to dribble. And so maybe that's part of the issue also. I'm sure you've been asked this before, but what do you think you would have performed better back then or in today's game? It wouldn't matter. Mm -hmm. Skill is skill, talent is talent. Okay. And remember, if I was playing in today's game, that means I would have spent more time dribbling and shooting threes when I was yep. practicing, right? And 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 would make would have made the adjustment. I think any great player in the 80s or 70s or 60s, 90s, they would have adjusted because if you're shooting threes all the time, then you're yeah. going to practice threes all the time. If you know dribbling is more important, they back when I played the point guard, he had the basketball, right? Yeah. <laughs> Get the ball to the point guard. I spend more time working on my handle than most people, but now everybody works on the handle. So I think the adjustments of most players today, I mean, in the old days would have made, it wouldn't matter what era they would have played because they still would be great players. So this is my final question, Carter. So uh, you mentioned your time as a coach. Did you playing in the league for that many years, did that help you as a coach? Or do you feel like you looked at things differently than maybe all these coaches who don't have any basketball playing experience? Or how, how did that tie in together? I think the biggest tie-in, in some ways, coaches that hadn't played, they have some advantages, especially mm -hmm. if they hadn't played at a high level, because my expectations might be greater for players yeah. that can't do the things I did. Yeah. Uh, that's 10 percent of the players could probably do what i did maybe five <laughs> to be generous. yeah so you're expecting a higher level maybe you're expecting everybody and that's just not reasonable and yeah. i think the coaches that don't coach they have a little more patience a little better understanding the thing that i had is i understood the player i understood mm -hmm. inside of a basketball player's head and as, as it relates to, i don't want to say motivation but it, as it relates to listening and trying to find out which buttons to push or maybe something happens on the court. And as a player, like when I'm watching them, it's a nuance. Oh, that happened because of this. Yeah. And, and so you can, you can tie it together better. So you can better understand players and how to maybe enhance their performance. And I think that's an advantage. If you were a basketball player that played and had a decent basketball IQ, that's an advantage. This will be my last question and we'll wrap up here. Talk about that moment when you get the call or when someone tells you you're in the Hall of Fame. What was that moment like? 
All you say is, it's about time, fool. Yeah. <laughs> about damn time. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I think when you get the call, it's more for me it was a relief because so many people were asking me or telling me I should have been Hall of Fame and I wasn't. Yep. It wasn't occupying my brain space much, the fact that I wasn't. I didn't really think about it very much unless someone would mention it to me. I said, yeah. oh, well, maybe. So when you hear your name, you're like, okay, you made it. Good. People can stop asking you. Yeah. You go to the Hall of Fame. And then the other part of that, a good friend of mine made me realize is the fact there's only so many players in the whole world that will ever reach that status of being Naismith's Hall of Famer, that it is a special place. Uh, one person that was a Hall of Famer said, welcome to the club. So I thought about that. It's a pretty elite in club. Mind, in my mind, there's only one club, and that's the basketball club. I didn't okay. see the Hall of Fame as, as elite. I know it is, but in my mind, it's like, what club? The club is just a basketball club. These yeah. guys and teammates that battle with you, they're part of that club. This award is very special, but I, I don't see it as something that, that should be looked upon mm -hmm. to bring other players down. But mm -hmm. I was honored to get the call and very, very pleased. Well, thanks for your time. We had a blast. Um, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll have to do this again sometime sooner. All right. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Go, go NBA. <laughs> go basketball. <laughs> Who's your favorite team real quick? Oh, oh, we're Charlotte Hornets fans. Hornets? Okay. Yeah. Any, any Hornets fun Hornets stories? Uh, no, I remember when they <laughs> yeah, do, when they first came to the NBA. Oh, yeah. yeah. They were the real Hornets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before <laughs> the, Bobcats the Bobcats era. Oh. Yeah, they had that nice arena. It was built in the middle of nowhere. And I was coaching then. I wasn't playing. I was coaching. And I just remember the buzz, how much energy was in that city, definitely mm -hmm. in that arena uh, during that time. It was a fun It was a fun time to be a Hornets fan. It really was. I remember that very vividly. Well, hopefully we're getting back to that right now. Yeah. 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 I think, I think so. I think you, you, you all would get there. Have you watched much LaMelo ball? Do you have any thoughts on him? I don't because I watch him. I'm not, I don't get it yet. <laughs> that's fair. I, I haven't watched him enough. Okay. Yeah. He's, that's, it's that's, very hot and cold. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't watched it. He has <laughs> something, he has something there. I just can't see it enough to say, and I hadn't watched him enough in all fairness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. he's oh yeah that's it yeah he definitely he appears to know how to play the game right yeah his demeanor is very evenly killed which is going to be good as he grows and become more experienced it's going to benefit him his personality is going to benefit him to be I think a closer a consistent closer in close games because of his size and things he can do mm -hmm. I agree well, awesome. Hey, thanks for your time and uh, all the best. All right. Thank, thank you. you guys.